Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cash That. This is your host, Joe Delera. I am flanked by producer Corey once again. Corey is now the boss. How you Coming doing, both Corey? Sides. Uh, you know, <laughs> boss life's pretty great. That's great. Uh, I love I love this story. So uh, we're going to be golfing on Tuesday, it sounds like, next Tuesday. So our pod, it might be very interesting next week. Who knows? But um, Corey, could you tell us about how you got your PTO? <laughs> Once I'm done chewing on this, um, oh yeah, butterfilled pretzel. <laughs> so anyway, Corey Corey's got his uh, law job, and like yeah. I have my law job. But normally, like you see, my law job, I get my vacation days just approved. Like it's just like, oh, you didn't come in today. I guess you used a vacation day. Uh, for Corey, not the same type of deal. So he's no. got to get hit. Like I'm supposed to get my whatever. Not the point. Anyway, I'm not gonna slander myself here. Corey, uh, how did you get your <laughs> My former boss, on his way out the door, approved all of my PTO requests that I've submitted. So uh, we'll be golfing midweek next week, and it's going to be great. Yeah, too bad uh, you can't expense it. Or maybe you can. Do you have any, Who knows, do you have any criminal point? clients? <laughs> nah, unfortunately. That'd probably, be, that'd probably be a problem. I mean, some people would probably think they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, honestly. It's inside baseball. They they, some of the things they do is criminal. Um one of those things that is also criminal is that Corey, could you, you know, we're, we're almost at what month of the year? The ninth month of the year. Yeah. What, what month is that? Sometimes I forget. September. Oh, okay. It's funny that you say that because mm. now we're, we're getting to that point in the baseball season where, you know, some teams just don't perform historically well. And like we talked There's a pill about for that now. <laughs> there, there is a pill for that. I don't think it's on the banned substance list. So no well, excuses. Yeah. Well, I mean, Tatis had his thing. It's funny. I saw this meme and it was basically about like how the, the drug that Tatis like said that he used, like he was like, oh, I use it to treat ringworm when you could just use <laughs> fucking like Lotrimin, which is like that <laughs> doesn't have it in it. Every but wrestler the- I know is like, that's not what you use. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the thing that's funny is that, like, that is, that that steroid isn't, like, a bad steroid, but it's kind of, like, one of those. It's old. It's dated. It's stupid. It's, like, a a starter. It's, like, a starter steroid that, like, no real bodybuilder would use. And it's, like, funny because it's, like, you look at Tatis and he just kind of looks like, he looks like a little, he's, like, a little fuckboy out there, you know? But, like, Mark McGuire roided the fuck up. Guy looks like he can bench press a horse. Yeah, remember that? Like, remember that home run derby? I can't remember what year it was. Sammy Sosa looked ninety nine bigger than like he did two weeks prior, and I was like, "What is this behemoth <laughs> doing out there?" It might have been Cork's bat year. I can't remember. It was fucking hilarious though. But um, I I really hope that none of you guys because we talked about this. We talked about the Padres feature, and I'm I hope that none of you bet it when I said don't bet it. Uh, you know when Berg was on the podcast because we were saying you know you're chasing a line and now look you got one of their bigger bats obviously he's been like in and out of the lineup for the majority of the year with various injuries but he's not going to play so there's that issue for the uh, for the San Diego Padres but another issue is you're starting to see like the gaps are starting to develop in the standings here and you're starting to see some of the um some of the like the the better teams like you know like the cream rises to the top. So we talked about it last week with Brian versus the books, and we talked about how you know teams in the months of 
August, September, and October with winning percentages of 60% or greater at minus 200 on the money line against teams below 40% in terms of winning percentage has been extremely profitable since uh, 2016. It's hit almost at an 80% clip, which is just incredible. And how we're trying to use that to, and like you're, we're coupling that with some PPDs to lower the juice. And like, obviously you got to do your math, you have to do your handicap, but it's a great way to get these big, big favorites at a much more favorable number for lack of a better word. Um, but what, what this kind of brings my point to is that there is a difference between those teams that are like the best of the best. And then the kind of the mid tier teams. And like, we're looking at, you might say like, all right, like there's a lot of these teams, like they can make the playoffs. Like the wild card right now, you have Tampa, Toronto, and Seattle uh, in it, in the American league. And then the wild card in the national league, you have the, the Braves, the, the Phillies and the Padres. Some of the concerns here though, are the way that the scheduling is going to work. And you have, a, you're at like a pretty distinct disadvantage if you're in the wild card spot and you don't win the division. So when you're looking to bet these futures, it really does create like an interesting situation. Like if you're not betting on the Astros or the Yankees um, or, you know, the Dodgers or the Mets, really, you're you're kind of in a tough spot be, or not the Mets, really, because the Braves could catch them. But you're you're in a little bit of a tough spot because these teams don't really have the ability to win the division. So keep that in mind when you're betting futures, and especially if you're looking for like a dark horse candidate. One of those dark horse candidates that I kind of like actually is I, I've been looking at this. I've been really looking at this number, and when I'm like I'm thinking about, it, I'm like this team's good. Like they got a lot of talent. They have. Um, you know, they, they have different, they have a variety of different bats. Their pitching is maybe not the best, but like the Cardinals are still 20, they're still hanging 25 to ones on them. They're a division winner. They're presumably right now, they're four and a half games up. So that's a pretty wide margin that they, that would need to be covered, especially with games head to head. That's a spot where maybe you're like, okay, this might be a team that I want to open up a futures position on at this point because of their ability to win the division flip that and you're kind of in the same situation with the brewers because the brewers are chasing them they're four and a half games back if you think the brewers can catch them they're at like 50 to one at caesars right now the consensus odds are on 40 to one uh depending on where you look so they have a very interesting path if they can win the division um and i think that that would be a better bet than like a division bet or you know or something like that so that that is another angle for you there but that brings us to the teams at the top of the bracket. And producer Corey, you know, we got the Mets fans. They've been talking about, you know, how they beat the Yankees. Shut up. What do you think? Just shut the fuck up. No one cares. No one cares. Dude, all it's... they give a shit about is like yelling at us. I couldn't care I couldn't give less of a shit. <laughs> I you know, it's like every time they play us, that's like our that's their World Series. And I mean yeah, and you know what? Subway series. I'll get invested right now. Fuck off. You're like yeah. a little bug. You're annoying. Yeah. It's it's just like the it's like the little brother syndrome out there. Right 100%. Now. So, look, I respect them. I think the Mets are going to be a fucking wagon in the postseason because of the starting pitching. But I don't. You know why? Because Scherzer. Scherzer. I mean, Scherzer played great with the Nationals. No, that one simply year. history. It has nothing to do with any of the players' active status, health conditions. Only because like Mets will fuck this up. Yeah, I mean, simple I as that. 
that's reasonable. So, you know, when I told you the Rangers weren't going to progress, I told you they were going to lose their series against Tampa. Uh, yeah, I'm doing it again. Mets first round gone. Exit. Wow. All right. Producer Corey's booked it here. That is, that is a fate official fade of the New York Mets. One for Um, one on those, those bets, by the way, (laughs) that's true. Actually, you should bet it now. Um, with, coupled with that, looking at the other younger brother or little brother in the state of New York, you have the we're going to switch sports a little bit here, but you have Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets. And I saw this um, I, it, like it made me laugh, but basically it was a video and because Kevin Durant has come back and he's saying now that they've made an agreement. He's going to stay with he's going to stay with the Nets. Um, they're cool. He's cool with it. Like it's so fine, whatever. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to continue their partnership. And I think we mentioned it on this podcast at some point in time, but if not, I logged in the action app at the nets, we took the nets at 50 to one to win the title on uh, back in July. Um, right now, the consensus odds for the Brooklyn nets after that announcement are plus seven fifty. Roughly, we took it on July fifth. The Nets' future, fifty to one. That's a dramatically different number. And like I like we said with the Padres, don't go chasing these numbers. The Nets were the pre like the the listed favorites for all of the last season. Obviously, they've added Ben Simmons. You maybe get some more games at a Kyrie KD. You don't have as tough of a first round matchup, but I don't like that number. That number is presumably going to stay there. And I don't know necessarily if I still believe in them, but at 50 to one, we've got a great ticket. And I, you know, it just kind of seems like one of those situations where Durant will try to get out of there, like we'll try to get out of Brooklyn at the soonest chance that he has. And I saw this clip and I'm going to play it. There's no audio, but you guys will know exactly what it is. It's from the office. And who knows if we're going to get this flag now, maybe the poll podcast will come down. We're back together again, baby. We're back. They tried to keep us apart, but they couldn't. It was like destiny. I I realized that for whatever reason, I just couldn't do better than Kelly. Oh. But basically, it's seen from the office with Kelly and Ryan, and you can you can just you you guys you guys will hear it in theory. Um, but when we're looking at the NBA title picture right now, uh. There's a lot of moving pieces, especially because there were so many teams and players waiting to hear what was going to happen with Kevin Durant. Essentially, nobody the, the Nets were just like, well, we're not going to trade you because we're not going to get the return that we want. And now it's kind of created this domino effect where it's like, well, now is Donovan Mitchell going to be moved? The, and it's similar in terms of the fact that the Knicks have the ability to basically say, like, we're not going to give you more because you can't get more and we know you want to tank. So if we know you want to tank, then like we have no incentive at this point. Like we know you don't want Mitchell on the roster. Uh, and it's just a more of a matter of time that you just say like, all right, like, fuck it. Like we, there was no reason for us to trade him at the beginning of the season, but now we're getting to training camp, whatever. We want to start moving some of these guys. So I think the Knicks are doing a good job right now that they haven't just like completely sold the farm literally for Donovan Mitchell. Um, and I think that we'll be maybe be able to make, you know, Maybe there'll be a, a trade that's able to be made within the next couple of weeks as training camp goes on. Um, switching to the other side 
of the aisle here. It's the WNBA playoffs. The W is happening right now. And there's a lot of like interesting things. Like I think we gave out the uh we gave out the the liberty to you know really push the sky and they're and they're doing good. They're they took it to game three, which is these are three game series right now. So hopefully right now you're sitting on a nice plus four ninety ticket for them to win. Um to win that series outright, but uh, you know, you never, you never know that, that, that was obviously they're a big underdog there. This guy, the defending champs. It's a, that's a very tough situation. It's a very tough proposition for them to come back from. Um, additionally, I think the aces are inevitable and I tweeted it out there. I want to read it to you. I, I started doing a couple like really, really ridiculous parlays with the aces as the first leg of futures parlay. And this is something I think producer Corey can get can get excited about here. I did a parlay with the Aces at plus 175, the Baltimore Ravens at plus 2,000, and the Milwaukee Bucks at plus 550 to win the title. That's a $5 bet. Corey, would you like to guess how much that pays out? 2,200. Close. 1871. Damn, a little high. I think it's like a nice little builder spot right there because I think that the Aces are inevitable. I think that they win the title. And I'm hoping that I've convinced my girlfriend because I'm going to be in Vegas during the, during the WNBA finals, presumably with the presumptive dates. I think the Aces are going to be there. They might be, it might be a home game when I'm there. I kind of want to go. I think I've got her there. I think it would be, I think it's worth it. You know, I was like, you know, how often it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like how often do you get to go see the finals of any sport, let alone the W in Vegas? It's just, it's literally a once in a lifetime opportunity. I think I might need to do it. So, you know, I like to have like some bets in there to ride on this. So we're going to be trying to do that. That could be a very exciting time. Maybe tickets will be even cheaper if people are just only focused on the NFL. So that that's definitely something that I'm curious about and I'm interested in. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can do. I think I think it should be a great, great time out there. Um, OK, so. One thing I'm I'm jumping all over the place today. This has been like a really weird episode because I just feel like there's just nothing going on, even though there there are like a decent amount of things going on. One of which, okay, I, I'm just because I'm just all over the place anyway. But the Ravens have been a fucking wagon in the postseason. They haven't lost a preseason game since 2015. So I mean, like, I'm just gonna keep betting the money line. I'm not messing around with the spread, but I'm just gonna keep betting the money line. Um, that's really enough football for now. I'm sure we will do like an extra episode or something uh to try to do this. And then let me know because I'm gonna be away. I think producer and I are gonna record like an evergreen type of episode, but I think for when I'm away uh between week one and week two of the NFL season. So that'll go out there. It's not going to be as like newsworthy or so to speak, but um, I might do some, maybe I'll try to do some video content. I'll try to hop on the Twitter machine and do a little bit of video for you guys. So that way we can get some more stuff. That's a little bit topical with some picks, whatever. Um, as long as my girlfriend lets me get away with this. So <laughs> <laughs> doubtful, but 
Um, besides that, I wanted to, what I thought I might do is I kind of wanted to go back and say like, okay, like this is what my process is for when I bet major league baseball. So on the season, you know, I've been obviously tracking my picks in the action app on the season for major league baseball, um, 233, 211 and six to 52% win percentage, but it's a 6.61% ROI. And like, if you see me in the app, I'm usually betting like 0 0.2, 0 0.25, 0.15, stuff like that. I'm up 5.16 units. So that's, that's pretty solid, like considering what I'm looking at here. Uh, cause I take some plus money plays. I do some home run stuff, you know, wh whatever, like it's, we have a good time with it. Um, but one of the things is that I, I like to bet usually strikeouts or outs. I think that they're one of the easier things to do. Uh, not necessarily in that they're easy bets, but like I, I can understand it, understand it more. I can process it more. I kind of like outs because they're kind of more like attempts in a way, uh, whereas strikeouts, you need them to record obviously the out in a very particular fashion. So if you think about it in terms of like recorded outs versus strikeouts, you're saying, well, like, well, this guy is going to, if he goes this many innings, he's going to have to record this percentage of his outs as strikeouts or whatever. So one of the things I use a variety of different tools. Um, one of which is obviously uh, my act, the tools in the action network, whether it's action labs or whatever. Um, and then I also use uh, props.cash pretty heavily uh, for when I'm doing this. And I think, and I and I, I follow a variety of different accounts on Twitter. You guys have had seen Maddie Chucks' stuff's really good for baseball. Uh, Monotone stuff's really good for baseball. So I think it's I think it's very like interesting. There's so and there's so much stuff that you can use for for baseball. There's just there's almost like a there's almost too much data, but everybody uses a little bit of something uh, stuff that's different. So I always think that that's kind of interesting anyway. Um, what I like to do is I look at the slate and now with that minus 200 money line trend, one of the things I like to do is I like to look at see like which teams currently fit that. So if we're looking at the major at the baseball standings right now, the teams that are above 60% in winning percentage are the Mets, the Braves, the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Astros. So I'm looking at those teams and saying like, okay, are they playing teams that are below 40% in terms of their win rate? So those teams right now are the Tigers, the A's, the Nationals, the Reds, the Reds are at 40, the Pirates, and that's it. So tomorrow we have a fit for this system with the Braves and the Pirates. Again, they played last night and the day before. Braves won the first game. They're currently up 5-1 to one at the time that we're recording this. Um, so that's another team. So that's an angle. And then, uh, you know, they're going to have the matchup tomorrow. So I'm going to talk about that. And then you have um, those. That's really that's the only game that fits this system for Wednesday's baseball slate. Currently, the money line is minus 225. So I'm going to be taking that. Uh, you'll see me. I'll log that in the action app as well. Um, it looks like it might go to 240, 250, but either way, based on the system that we've created, this is this is a profitable trend. Uh, I'm going to get you to the numbers right now. Uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, I want to, but I want to have you give you the the very specific number. Um, so this season, teams that fit this criteria anyway are eight and two, 
80%, 7.7% ROI. The Braves, it looks like they're going to win again. So this is going to move to nine and two. So that's like 88 and change percent. Um, it, it's it's a good angle. And I think it's a way for, you know, like when you're looking at these lines, you have to imagine that the sports books, they know that people don't really like to bet on heavy favorites. People like to bet on underdogs because you get that plus money payout. It's like, oh, the Pirates are plus 200. That's fat. That's juicy. Like, I want that. Boss. Uh, but, you know, so you get that opportunity. People know they want to bet on that. But when, you know, they can't really hang a, I mean, the it happened the other day. The Padres blew like a minus 400 as a minus 400 favorite to the Nationals. Those are actually the two losses, both by the Padres, who, as you guys know, are have now dropped. Uh, they've actually dropped out of this criteria. And uh, they don't they don't fit that anymore. So that's something to watch for as well. It's, it's about the teams that match up at the time of the game. But um, what I was tr- what I was saying is that sportsbooks don't want to put these lines out there that are so untenable that nobody wants to bet them. Um, so they would rather give you like a shitty line on an underdog than a good line in the favor because people don't really want to lay that much money. They don't want to bet $100 on a minus 250, you know, to win back pennies on the dollar almost. So when you, this is giving us an opportunity to get, like this is a legitimate edge against the books here. Uh, and this is based on trends that are provided by the Action Network. Um, so if you look this season, eight and two, last season, 18 and two. Uh, 2020, 23 and nine, 2019, 46 and seven. Like these are huge, huge edges on the books here. And dating back to 2010, actually, you're, you're, you're hitting this at 77%. So that's, it's, it's a preposterous number and it's a great, great opportunity to get ahead. Um, so that's, that's why I like this now, like I'm going to look at the game itself. So I'm looking at this game. Obviously, the Braves, it looks like they're going to have one. Uh, they're going to have one on Tuesday night, and then you're going to have this pitching matchup between Kyle Wright and Mitch Keller. On the season, on the season, Mitch Keller is uh, four and nine, 23 games. Um, you know, he's he's not, he's got a 1.47, whip, 7.2, not four Ks per nine. Kyle Wright is 15 and five, 750 winning percentage. Um, he's thrown a lot more innings. He's getting his strikeouts. He's got almost a strikeout per nine, uh, or 8.7 per nine. Uh, his whip is better. ERA is better. Um, it's a, it's a good, it's setting up to be a decent spot for the Braves there. Um, now one of the things that I like to look at is obviously that these, these guys are in a situation that they can succeed. Um, particularly Kyle Wright, because you already are imagining that he is the better pitcher of the two. And then you have to look at it and say like, okay, well, like, does he strike guys out? Like, what are we looking at in terms of his, in terms of his props? So what I do is I'll look on props.cash. Sometimes it's not available depending on when I'm doing my research. So I'll usually go to like either stat muse or baseball reference, and I'll look up the game log. So I'm doing that now with you. And for Kyle Wright, if you look at his last games, uh, you can see, you know, has he played Pittsburgh before? Uh, and he and he has actually. So back on, back in this season, back in June on June twelfth, the Braves won that game seven to three. He threw six innings, had seven strikeouts, 
And I'm not saying that because of prior performance, he's necessarily going to hit seven strikeouts again. But if you look at his strikeout log on the season, he has he's start he started uh 23 games and he's recorded four or more strikeouts in 21 of the 23 and five or more in 16 of the 23 starts. Um, so that's a spot that I like to look at and I'm saying, okay, I might not want to bet his like true prop line, but if I'm looking at five or like basically five, four or five, especially against this pirates or against the pirates team, uh, that's a spot that I really, really want to take advantage of. Um, the pirates strike out a lot. They have one of the highest K rates in major league baseball. And this is a good opportunity to kind of capitalize on that in particular. So last time out, obviously it was against the Houston Astros. So they're a much more plate disciplined team, but Kyle Wright had a strikeout line of 4.5. If you go back to that, that was on August 19th. If you go back to August 10th, they played the Boston Red Sox. Uh, On August 19th, he threw six innings, had seven strikeouts. On August 10th, he threw six innings, had uh, five strikeouts. And in that game, you know, we're looking at a strikeout prop where not only did the Braves win, but his strikeout prop was five and a half. It was a juiced number. But like I said, when we're looking at his strikeout numbers, he's gone, he's had four or more in 23 of, or 20, rather 21 of 23 games. And he's had five or more in 16 of those 23 games. So that's, you're hitting that at an above average rate. Um, and when you do these PPDs, you can really kind of get their strikeout number at a little bit lower spot. But what I like to do is I use this other tool. It's a website. It's called Baseball Savant. And they have a variety of different stats. But one of the things that they talk about is, you know, you have you can look up different players. You can look up their batting average. You can look up their strikeouts. You can look up slugging. You can look up, you know, like batting average balls in play, their chase rates, whatever. So if you look at the Pirates, it's a little wonky right now because O'Neill Cruz, I'm not sure if he's hurt or what he's dealing with, but you have a bunch of guys with over 30% whiff rates. Um, between Greg Allen, Michael Chavis, Kevin Padolo, Robert, Roberto Perez, Travis Swaggerty, O'Neill Cruz, and uh, Peguero. So some of these guys have not really had a ton of, seen a ton of pitches, but they do have a lot of strikeout potential, strikeout targets here. Uh, and then when you're looking at Kyle Wright, Wright, you can look at his stats in particular, but he has a relatively high whiff rate. He's at 62%. Um, He walks maybe a couple more people, and he's like a a slightly above average in terms of strikeouts. Um, But when you look at his curveball, that's really his best pitch. He's got a great curveball spin. He keeps he keeps teams from really hitting the ball hard, and this is a good opportunity for him against maybe a potentially undisciplined Pirates team. So when looking at this type of PPD. I'm going to see what the line is, but I'll be looking to take Kyle Wright at four strikeouts and Braves money line or, and or five strikeouts and Braves money line, hopefully at a plus number, uh, given, given where I think his prop is going to be. Uh, but that's, that's one way where you can say like, all right, the books are going to inflate his line. It's going to be probably like five and a half at maybe plus money. And as his listed line, because the pirates strike out a lot. Um, but this is a good way to take advantage of the fact that you're saying like, well, I think that they inflated the line. I'm going to try to lower his strikeout prop in a good matchup. And 
because I know that they're the Braves are in a good spot here. The Braves should win this game. I can also reduce the money line by bringing the two of them together. Uh, and you have to imagine starting pitcher who, you know, he, he strikes out a decent amount of guys, but if he doesn't hit that strikeout prop, it's going to probably be hard for them to win because it probably means he doesn't have his best stuff, even against a bad Pirates team. Uh, so that that's one way to do it. And another way to look at it is if you see an underdog that you think has value because of the pitcher that they have, you can really get juicy odds in a PPD. Uh, we did this last week. If I did it in the action app with Zach Gallen, uh, they were underdogs and you can get him at basically his strikeout, like one strikeout less than a strikeout prop in the Diamondbacks money line. And it was like plus 190. And that was just because the Diamondbacks were underdogs. But if you really looked at it and you said, oh, well, like Gallon's pitching, Gallon's been incredible since the All-Star break, you know, maybe they shouldn't be underdogs. I think that that's wrong. And that's a really good way to capitalize on the fact that you think that you're right in terms of your cap. Because if you think that they shouldn't be underdogs because of Gallon, you should 100% be trying to couple your bet and like enhance your bet with the fact that Gallon is going to pitch well and with the idea that he's going to pitch well, that you have an opportunity for them to win that game. So there's actually, Gallon's actually pitching tonight against the Kansas City Royals in a relatively easy or a relatively even matchup between him and Bradley Singer. Both have very high K rates. This is probably a game where I might target actually like a no run first inning or or a double double strikeout prop parlay because they don't necessarily feel that either pitcher gives their team enough of an edge because both teams aren't good and both pitchers are good. So you can say like, you can look at this and say like, all right, well, maybe I'll get Singer at four or five Ks and Gallon at like a, around the same number. And you can kind of parlay the two of them together and get a better number on each because you think that they're both going to perform, but you don't want to just take their strikeout prop straight up. And I understand that some people don't like to pay juice. Some people are like, well, like, why are you doing that? You're asking for two guys to perform in a particular way. My thing is strikeouts don't have hooks. We talked about this before, but a strikeout is just, it's an outcome. So it's, it's either going to happen or it's not going to happen. So like when you see these lines, you can project that the strikeouts are going to be like right around there. It's going to be like maybe one higher, maybe one lower. It's rare that you can get those alternate lines sometimes, but you have to really assess the situation say like, do I think they're going to get there? Maybe, but like, I think it's better if I do it this way and I can take it one lower, I mitigate a little bit of the risk and I can take both of these guys to perform because that's the way that I'm capping this game. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the way that I look at some of these games. That's the way that I try to handicap pitcher props. And I try to say like, okay, you know, and I think this is another thing too. It's like, if you have a team that doesn't chase, a lot. They don't necessarily generate a lot of strikeouts. Sometimes they can be a good team to say, I'm going to bet on my pitcher to go over a certain amount of outs because they're going to move through the guys. They're going to move through the order a little bit faster. But guys are going to put the ball in play. These at-bats are not going to be prolonged. Maybe I can get a couple more innings out of my guy. So those are a couple of the things that I look at. Those are a couple of the tools that I look at. And I hope that that's helpful for you. I hope it's something that you can take and kind of utilize for yourselves moving forward as the season kind of progresses here. Um, so I would recommend that. I would recommend research. Uh, but producer Corey, how are you doing? Doing great, Joe. How are those pretzels, dude? Scrumptious. Are you going to recommend like... them? What do you have for no. us? No. 
<laughs> sure, I'll recommend them, but everybody knows Trader Joe's almond butter filled pretzels are the truth. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm not going to waste my recommendation on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I I finished the rehearsal, the new Nathan Fielder show on HBO Max. Okay. Unbelievably funny. Maybe really, the funniest thing I've ever watched. I How? don't want to say such things, but like it was for sure like better than any episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Shut the fuck up. I swear to God, the way this man, his brain works is, I'll never understand it. It's so goddamn funny. Um, For those of you who don't know, I think I might have even recommended this, but now that I've finished it, it's a hard recommend, hard R. Uh, (laughs) So, like, he basically, the show kicks off with him pitching to people who have to do something difficult in their lives that they can rehearse it with him over and over again trying the different variations with actors that he hires to mimic all of the people that he would be interacting with and yeah. like background. Like, you know, like if, like you're, if you imagine the situation happens at a bar, he's going to hire actors to play like random people at a bar and make a perfect replica. It's, it's like his old show on steroids. It's so fucking funny. That's fucking incredible. The rehearsal. That's fucking incredible. I love that. Um, I have a slightly different recommendation. Um, is it food it related? Is- yeah, I actually made chicken sausage today, and it was fucking great. But what I did was, um, oh, two things. We made homemade tortilla chips last night or two nights ago. That was dynamite. Um, secondly, I made uh, like a hash, like a chicken sausage hash. So I made, I cut up the potatoes, the onions, a little bit of pepper, and then threw the, then sauteed the chicken sausage in its own pan because I wanted to get that like crisp. Did it, put it in the hash. Great. It was a nice little meal. What I did was I actually added vegan cheese. Now I understand why people like cheese so much um, because it like kind of like works as like an adhesive. It's crazy. I'm explaining cheese to people like they've never fucking had it before. But like this is a, I, this is a real low point in this podcast. Go ahead. <laughs> like I, I haven't been able to have cheese like my whole life. Allergic. But you never understood like, oh, this is probably good for structuring a meal. Yeah, but I never really. Glue. I just thought it was. I thought it was overrated. I just was like, "Oh, like this is gonna make you need to brush your teeth." So Pizza you get stuck is to your for teeth. sure the reason why you know it's not overrated. No, so here we are. I've survived, but now I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna get fat." So, <laughs> so that's what I did. I've used. I so I recommend cheese, even if it's vegan cheese, as an adhesive, and <laughs> the true building block of any meal. Yeah, I'm like I, your, I just never your brick and your mortar yeah, <laughs> for every I mean, meal. There's brick and mortar. Hey man, this might be cheesy, but <laughs> I'm gonna at least I'm not how hard I just hit myself with this microphone. <laughs> I uh, I th- I've told the story before to people, but I don't think I've said it on the podcast. I went to Catholic school when I was a kid. Um, and What's the matter? You couldn't, I think you I was... couldn't stick it out. Too hard? No. Too tough? I think, well, I, I made it from preschool through eighth grade. Um, That's cute. And then Seton Hall, Catholic or something. And then... It uh, is. Yeah, in theory, I guess. You just don't <laughs> understand anything above the Raritan River, all right? It's, that's not... God. So when I was in... I think I was in like second grade. And we... For Catholic Schools Week, we it was like where the parents and the families would come. They'd look at the classrooms, like whatever. Yeah. You mean like it was our fashion week? Yes, exactly. In our light blue, you know, like our navy blue and white uniforms or whatever. So 
I read to write, we had to write poems that were going to get hung up. They, you know, like you, you type the poem on the computer because that was like a skill to learn the computer back then. And then um, you, so you did that. And then they would like, you'd glue it to the construction paper. They like put it on the side, put it on the wall in the hallway. So I wrote a poem and my poem was naturally about food. Um, and the line that I wrote was, amongst many others, but the one that always has stood out, my parents crack up. I always think it's funny, but I wrote chicken should be fried till it falls off the bone and brisciutta should always be wrapped in provolone. <laughs> my parent, my dad so has never fucking been fucking Italian. <laughs> I don't know what to say. My dad has never been more proud of me in his life. I think the nuns were thrilled. They're all like these Italian Filipinos, Filipini sister nuns. And uh, they're like, they're, you know, like they're hobbling around in the penguin suits. And I they... do not know what to say. Wait, your nuns actually wore that shit? Yeah. That's some weird. No wonder why you didn't know anything was Catholic up here. We're normal people. We're normal. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, all like fake up here. We don't go so... walking around flogging ourselves in the streets like in your Catholic school. <laughs> it was understood we were all tortured on the inside. We put on a brave face. And uh, so, you know, keeping all of that in mind, um, you really, you really need to make sure that you're, you know, minding your hard consonants. You need to be respectful of people's abilities, whether it's that whether or not they can swing and miss at a strike, whether or not they can create art, whether or not they with can properly <laughs> with their hands. What well, I don't even know what that means. Uh, <laughs> whether or not they can properly eat an almond-filled almond butter filled pretzel from trader joe's without coughing up a lung uh and you know sometimes you really just need to take all that into consideration if you can't just send in a hail mary pto request maybe you'll become a boss. and that was a perfect recap joe <laughs> thank you you got every With element in there somehow <laughs> let's fucking cash that <laughs> My advanced math teacher, she was a nun, and she like she literally could not walk. Uh, Sister Anna Marie, and she had a, she had a, she had a sign on her desk in the classroom that said, "Pain is weakness leaving the body." <laughs> I guess she has no weakness left. No, there's none left. The waist down anyway. God rest her soul. She was like 95. I feel like when she was teaching. They all they, are. I think they take the vow, and then they actually do have to wear the dress, the headdress shit. <laughs> And like, as soon as they put it on, I think they just instantly age 50 years and that's how they look for the remainder of their lives. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't know if it's sacrilegious, but like, I don't think I've ever seen like a hot nun. No, I don't know where that fantasy came from. No, I don't know. I think it's weird. It's weird for me, especially because like the nuns are like, you know, growing up, it's weird. Do um, they have any new ones? I don't know. I, I really I'll rephrase don't. that. Do they have any American new ones? I don't think I mean, so. No, the they Catholic definitely Church have them. Still in dipping into third world countries for extras, but 
I think that's the only way to get them. It's like, it's yeah, the new my favorite part, like, <laughs> it's really fun going back to church now. Uh, like, my sister graduated from her Catholic grammar school not too long ago, and the priest has a very thick Filipino accent, and <laughs> oh I can see all of, like, the old, white, angry Italian men in the crowd being like, this guy's not American, what the fuck? But they won't say anything because they're in church. Like, I can see the frustration growing on their face yeah. during, like, a sermon. And they're, and and they're just, like, why? so funny. Like, hey, like, bud, why you're being is racist Spanish on your mass? face. A little why is there Spanish? <laughs> I don't understand why they got to do it in Spanish. Fuck you, dude. It was in Latin until, like, 63. Chill the fuck <laughs> the, the, out. The, like, the hymnals have, like, the dual languages. Like. I love it. And, like, little shit like that pisses off these people to no end. And it's so minor and hilarious. Like, they're truly the only special ones that give dude, shit drives like that. It totally drives the olds like bonkers. Yeah, and then <laughs> it, and then they just like I don't know, they just like attack like pancakes aggressively with anger. Right after church. Oh my god! Yeah, and they're always like really like they're they're usually like shitty pancakes, but yeah, like they're kind of like McDonald's. They're like McDonald's pancakes, which I but I like McDonald's pancakes. Yeah, but like these I think pancakes are like maybe okay once, but they're old and they just reheated them because you showed up. Yeah, like they're they're like fro they're homemade, mass made homemade frozen pancakes. Right, pancakes the, that were frozen and now heated up. Yeah, <laughs> they're like this is from the pancake breakfast, <laughs> where they serve you like the liquid eggs that are just like always like kind of like thick. Uh. Like Reminds they like college. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah it's, they're powder. You're at the dining hall. It's unbelievable. Um, you ever go to a seven thirty mass before? Oh yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> you want to talk like the only thing that would piss off an old Italian Catholic sitting in his pew. Um, only thing that would piss him off worse than like a Filipino priest telling him what to do. Uh, is to take their Music? pew at seven thirty mass. Oh Yeah. Dude, I'm that, sure that was like unwritten rules. I had no Those idea. Those like unwritten rules. Yeah, people like, just are like, if you're in like the first four rows or the last two, those are like reserved seating. Those are basically. hot seats. Yeah, those are hot seats. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure like the senior citizens of North Arlington had a hit on me from like age eight to twelve. Oh, because dude, of one yeah. fuck up at seven thirty mass. So sorry. 7.30 mass is also crazy. Like, you'd be in and out in, like, 20 minutes. That's why but I'm like, like, yeah, but at the same time... Had to get like... that parishioner tuition, you know? <laughs> had to <laughs> yeah, drop off the true. check for Ma. That was true. We did have to go. It was, and you just wind up leaving, like... They, they just... They just because you left. You paid, you know? Yep. So, I dropped off the it, check. I grabbed the missileette that said I was there, and I fucking bounced. Just like college. <laughs> it's like It's like AA. <laughs> <laughs> What this this episode is taking quite the fucking I'm pretty turn. I'm pretty sure I did that for like the first three years of college. I was like, where's the sign-in sheet? Cool, bye. See ya. <laughs> I well, that was just I mean, that was just normal though. Like I remember one class I just like didn't go to because I was just like, it's Spanish. <laughs> Yo puedo hablar español. Peace. See. Si. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna keep riffing off things you say. Did I ever tell you about the time uh, I called my white Spanish teacher a bitch? No. How did that go? Uh, I was in high school. Did you call her a bitch in uh, in Spanish? No, I did it in English so she would understand me. 
<laughs> thank you. Thank you for the setup. So this is my homeroom teacher. I'm taking Spanish. For those of you who don't know, I speak it fluently. I'm completely illiterate aside from that. Okay. So I'm like, all right. They want me to take the AP class. I was like, absolutely not. I cannot read. I could not write you a sentence right now. My life depended on it. So they put me in like remedial Spanish one. I don't know if it was remedial, but it seemed I, like I it. did the same thing. So I'm in there. They give me this project. They're like, all right, you have to make a town. It's a fucking art project. I hate arts and crafts. Art. I fucking hate it. It's the worst. Hated it when I was a kid. Hated it when I was in high school. Hated even more. That was now. the only subject I was allowed to not get an A in. Yeah, guess whose diorama fell like fell apart <laughs> on the way up the stairs to class when I was a kid. Yeah. Well, it was never mine because my parents did it for me. <laughs> Bastard. Anyway, yeah. This bitch gives us an assignment, so I literally make a bunch of Adobe houses on top of an old pizza box, which may or may not have been entirely cleaned, and I don't really care. <laughs> uh, so I hand it in. It looks like shit. I am incapable of producing anything that doesn't look like shit with my hands so i hand him the report with it which is i know 100 percent true my dad speaks spanish so i was like read that and make sure it makes sense thank you okay <laughs> going to school she pulls me aside and is like are you serious and i was like what are you talking about she's like this looks like shit and i was like oh okay why don't you just grade the spanish and then let me know what my grade is so i get my grade she gives me a fucking d what? My Spanish was impeccable. Are you kidding me? And she's like, it looks like you just threw a bunch of clay squares onto a pizza box. And I said, that was all I was capable of doing, you bitch. Like, like I'm not she, good at art. Lady. Yeah, that was it. I told her it was Spanish, not art. And I told her that was all I was capable of doing. And uh, she moved my grade up to a C plus. It's a moral <laughs> victory for me. That's uh, the but she way. got fired for calling a kid the N-word at the end of that school year. With a hard R? Yeah. R.I.P. Miss Simon. <laughs> Go fuck yourself.